Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based pianist and educator, the great Dr. Michael Pagan. These days, he is a very busy musician playing the piano nightly around Kansas City, along with being a professor at Ottawa University in Kansas. He's directing Bravo, the Ottawa University jazz singers, and teaching jazz piano. He just released a new CD in August of 2015 called The Ottawa Sessions, and it's impressive. From the streets of Ohio, his path made its way to KC, and he digs it quite a bit. Dig this interview, my friends. First of all, I want to just thank you for taking a little time to talk with me about your album and what's going on in your world of jazz. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and start off and just kind of ask you generically, what has been going on with you lately? Uh, I'm keeping very busy these days as a, as a working a jazz pianist and a composer, arranger, and an educator. I'm playing piano uh, weekly at Cafe Trio in Kansas City. I'm in my seventh year there playing solo piano. It's really dinner music, and I play requests, but I they let me, they give me uh, a lot of latitude in terms of what I play, so I, I get to play a lot of, a lot of jazz there. And then I'm also at Chaz on the Plaza in the Raphael Hotel with Steve Fragazzi, and he and I have a duo called Pagarazzi. Yeah, and, and we play uh, we play about every other Monday. Uh, about two Mondays out of the month we play there. And then uh, I'm teaching at Ottawa University, Ottawa, Kansas. That's about 45 minutes southwest of Kansas City, down in Ottawa, Kansas. And we're building a jazz program there. So there I teach jazz piano and classes. And also I direct... Uh, the Ottawa Jazz Singers. It's a group called Bravo, and uh, it's, uh, it's a vocal jazz group, and it's a lot of fun to record them. So that's a little bit about what I do. My record came out uh, in early August, the Ottawa Sessions. features Bob Bowman, who's really one of the, one of the elder uh, statesmen uh, of jazz bass players in Kansas City. It really has a national a reputation over the years. And then Brian Stever, who's a, a prodigious young drummer, excellent, excellent musician. So very happy about the the reception I've gotten on the Ripley so far. Yeah, those are some dynamite players, yeah. I'm going to get to the Ottawa sessions, but I first want to ask you, and this is kind of ripping a page a little bit out of the Joe Cartwright playbook here, uh, what do you think about having a regular gig at, at clubs around here in uh, hotels in Kansas City. Is it cool to have a nightly kind of thing like that? It absolutely is a good thing. I mean, the, the steady gig is like a base of operations, and really the venue or the kind of a place it is, whether it's a hotel, lobby, or a restaurant, or a bar, or a club, really doesn't matter that much. What matters is what you make of it, what kind of music you bring to that venue, how you get your following to come and be attentive to what you're doing and and uh, sharing that music and uh, uh, moving our art form further. So um, there are a lot of uh, places in Kansas City that I would say are jazz-friendly, that are receptive to jazz and supportive of it, if it will bring in, in people. Uh, there aren't very many venues in Kansas City that are 
solely dedicated 100% to programming jazz music, but uh, Kansas City is is uh, no different from any other big city in that regard. If anything, Kansas City is a little bit special because it's one of the four meccas of jazz, being, you know, New Orleans and Chicago and Kansas City and New York. Those are really the four, four cradles of jazz. Kansas City, you know, ranks very high that way. But even then, you know, you got a few venues. We know which ones they are. We don't have to list them but that really do jazz. But then there are a lot of restaurants and clubs that, that have jazz entertainment as well. And uh, I think those places are important, and those club owners and and uh, and business owners are to be applauded and to be uh, recognized and thanked for helping to support the music. Yeah, you know, and, and I, would, I would imagine being in some higher-end places like that, playing on a regular basis, you probably have accumulated some stories over the years. Do you have a really good story of running into somebody or something that may have happened while you were playing? Oh, man. I mean, the stories, yeah, they, they just keep coming. Uh, actually, just two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, it's less than two weeks ago, you're probably uh, aware, Joe, that we had the uh, Kansas City-wide uh, Charlie Parker celebration. Yeah. As a, a celebration of, of Charlie Parker and his music. And at my Cafe Trio gig, uh, the great trumpeter, Clay Jenkins, was down, and he came in, and we played together for an hour. He was on the Woody Herman Band and the Stan Kenton Band back in the 1970s. He's a legendary guy. He teaches jazz trumpet at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Eastman School of Music is one of the very finest uh, music schools on the planet. It's up there with Juilliard and uh, all the really greats. And here he is in Kansas City, and I got to play with him and hang out and have dinner with him. So let me get back into the Ottawa session. It's been uh, received really well. Give me a little bit. You said there was an interesting story. Kind of elaborate a little bit on this disc. Yes. Uh, the Ottawa session was uh, really uh, conceived from a couple of different angles. Obviously, it was done down at Ottawa our campus there, and uh, there's an interesting story because uh, a few years ago, the Pacific program at Ottawa decided to embark upon becoming an all-Steinway school, which means that they are going to get some kind of a gift from someone or a donor, and I got to be a part of that uh, process. I got to be a got to take a tour of the Steinway factory and watch how they make these marvelous things. They're made in America. They're made in Queens uh, in, in New York City. And it, it was really something. I went back to Ottawa, and it's been in our uh, Fredrickson Chapel uh, for the last uh, two years. And that was really one of the big uh, incentives, one of the big motives. I wanted to do something really special uh, and record with that piano. Bob Bowman and Brian Stever and I, we had a regular gig at a place called Peropo's up in uh, Briarcliff, just north of the uh, Broadway Bridge. And we were there for 18 months playing jazz and having a open mic kind of a jam session every Saturday afternoon. So that's where the group came together. We played every Saturday afternoon for a year and a half. But that's how we, we really got it on that way. So I think i got a working group that's really tightening up and sounding good. Then we've got this brand-new piano at where I teach, and it all just came together. 
That's cool, man. That's very cool. Um, let me get back to kind of the beginning of your life in Ravenna, Ohio. What was it like growing up there that fostered you getting on the path to loving jazz? My parents were both uh, musical. They were both keyboard uh, musicians. My dad was a jazz pianist. He was born in Puerto Rico, and he came to the United States in uh, 1943 and met my mother from Ohio, and they were married, and she was a musician too. So I knew who Bill Evans was when I was in grade school. Uh, my dad was breaking out the Art Tatum records, the Miles Davis, Oscar Peterson, and then uh, I I went to school at Kent State University and uh, ended up with my master's degree there in composition and was playing gigs around Akron and Cleveland, which uh, is a place, uh, that's, that's where I came up. And there are great musicians there. There's a great scene there in the, that part of the country, Northeast Ohio. Uh, it's it's a, a really interesting place. It's kind of got a lot of uh, qualities that the eastern United States have. I was brought up very well. And then I left uh, Ohio in 1986 to do my doctorate in composition in, uh, in Northwestern, Chicago. And that was like the next uh, major chapter in my life, being in Chicago for five years and learning all about the scene there and playing with some really great players there. Wound up with my doctorate. Very cool. So what brought you to Kansas City, the Kansas City area? I was um, up for a job to work at the UMKC Conservatory of Music, and it seemed like a really great opportunity. I was in Colorado before that, and I was working in the Denver area. I was actually teaching at the University of Colorado at Boulder, and uh, this uh, opportunity to come to Kansas City and work at the conservatory at UMKC and so I went for it, and I did that for five years and enjoyed it very much. It was a real blessing to uh, come to Kansas City and be a part of the team at UMKC. I didn't remain there, obviously. I ended up uh, leaving that position, and I, I worked at the American Jazz Museum for one year doing marketing and communications, and that even brought me deeper into the whole music scene by doing that post of doing the marketing for the Jazz Museum, I found out all about the different media outlets and how one uh, can promote their music, and I made a lot of con nice connections that way. And I'm still a big supporter of the museum and still do volunteer work for them uh, whenever I can. And in the meantime, uh, Todd Wilkinson, the great saxophone player, called me and asked me to join the faculty at Ottawa in 2011, and I've been there ever since. And uh, I'm doing about 50 other things, too. To <laughs> <laughs> when you're a musician, you got to do a lot of things. I go to Columbia, Missouri one day a week, and I, I teach in the uh, jazz program at Mizzou. On Thursdays, I go there and teach a jazz piano class. Arthur White, the director of that program, familiar face around Kansas City, and he's a fantastic saxophone player, composer, great educator. He's put out great records of his uh, the Zoo Jazz Ensemble, uh, just a great program. And the jazz program, I do have a fabulous program as well. We're really blessed at this part of the country with that. Then we've got what Dan Daly has been doing for years since over KQ. That's a tremendous, strong, uh, recognized program. And uh, we're fighting the good fight down in Ottawa. We're an up-and-coming program. We're really excited about that. We have Bob Bowman on our, as our base instructor. 
Uh, Ryan Heinlein is our trombone uh, teacher, and Ryan is getting a lot of uh, play because of his bone company and also his uh, group Project H. We have, uh, let's, what is he now? Uh, thinking about Aaron Lynchai, who's our jazz trumpet teacher, and Jeff Shirley on guitar and Todd on saxophone. Myself on piano, and Keith Mallory is our drum set instructor. So, got all the bass covered, and uh, students are starting to respond to instructors. That's a really fun thing to happen back there. Well, I know you started out by asking where I'm from, but I ended up. <laughs> no, you you did. You you kind of covered a lot of questions that I had about a variety of things. So what I'm going to ask you now is kind of a general question. Why do you love jazz? Oh, you know, that's a fair question. It's a hard question to answer, but it's been asked of me before. And usually what I tell people is that I, I, I feel like I'm a musician and I was one of those people who really couldn't see myself doing anything else or, or embarking on any other spirit. Jazz music is the style of music that I'm most fluent in. It's the style of music that uh, resonates with me and that I'm most naturally adapted. I like classical music a lot, too. And I'm, I I play classical music, and I love that stuff. But, but the jazz thing is simply because of the improvisation element of that and because it's about taking an idea and expressing it instantly through improvisation, that was something that really, really uh, resonated with me from a very early age. The idea of being creative in, in the moment uh, based on a lot of hard work and practice and discipline and working at one's craft and then being able to put it out there in front of a live audience or recording studio is uh, very exciting to me. It doesn't diminish my respect for classical musicians and when someone says to me, oh, I, I just can't improvise, I, I say, well, maybe you can. <laughs> I have all the respect in the world for, for uh, musicians who play in orchestras and who make a living doing that and who make a living not improvising. That's a really important part, and it, it really makes me appreciate jazz even more. I mean, it's, it's a great world we live in where, where we can be diverse and have different ways of uh, accomplishing what we're going to do artistically whether it's reading notes off of the page or whether it's reading notes off the page and then doing your own thing with it. It's a lot of fun. So how do you feel about your decision to settle here in Kansas City and how do you feel about the Kansas City jazz scene these days? The jazz scene is always thriving and always evolving. There's always someone coming into town new. There are people who have stayed for a long time. There are always some people uh, saying goodbye I think that it's a really, really great scene where there are opportunities for one and the opportunities are what you make them. So I'm a, I'm a positive can-do kind of person. I'm, I, I'm like Yoda. There, there is no try. There is <laughs> So So uh, I, I like the scene here. And what I was saying a few minutes ago about these uh, venues and restaurants and places to play that are jazz-friendly, that's a real big part of it, and the people really do have a lot of pride here about, you know, about barbecue and about jazz music and blues, too. Uh, I think that's important. There's a lot of civic pride in the music with all the different concert series that you have springing up. 
in Kansas City and all the surrounding suburbs and towns that have outdoor summer concert series loaded with usually usually jazz has a presence on those kinds of things too. So I really think that this scene here it may not be as big a scene as some of the other bigger cities. Let's talk about Chicago and New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and places that are bigger than Kansas City for sure. But pound for pound, you know, kind of say per capita, uh, if there's a way to look at it in such a way where you could do it by scale, I'm sure that this place really holds its own with any other place on the planet in terms of the quality of the music that's being played and in terms of the support that it receives. So speaking of Kansas City having a lot of acts come through and a lot of action going on, if you look back on the history of Kansas City and the musicians that have come through this town, if you could go back in time and see a show at any venue here, where would you go and who would you want to see? Oh, man, that's such a fun question. I've never been asked that before. I would want to hear those Blue Devils that came from Oklahoma that had uh, the, the Count Basie rhythm section. I'd want to hear them. I definitely want to hear Count Basie. I've heard so many funny stories about Count Basie, and I would love to have heard him and his band, even not with him as leader, even when Benny Moten had the band before he passed away. And Benny was running the band, and Count Basie was playing piano in the band. I would have liked to have heard Lester Young the president of the saxophone. And then the thing that will really blow your mind is that, that we haven't even started talking about Bird, so that, and that's a whole other chapter of jazz history, the bebop era, which was the next major era and the next major evolution of the music after the swing era, Charlie Parker. So I can't just say one person, Joe. i gotta, I got to say I would have wanted to have been there in the 30s to hear the Basie band, and then I would have liked to have heard uh, Bird. Well, you, you stay pretty fluid and active in your life, and you evolve quite a bit in the jazz craft. So let's say we get together in 10 years again. We catch up with what's going on. What are you going to want to tell me when I say what's been going on lately? Oh, my. Wow. Awesome question. <laughs> uh, well, on a personal note, I, I hope to maybe be a granddad by then. My, my children are grown, and they're young adults now, and, and none of them are married, but they're they're very happy and healthy, and they're awesome. One of them's a, a fabulous musician in his own right. So I could I could be uh, maybe whipping up pictures of some grandkids, maybe talking about my new uh, my latest big band CD. I did a I did a big band recording in 2005, and now 10 years later I've I've got enough material and I've got a big band together, uh, which is another thing we didn't even talk about. But I run I run a big band under my own name, plays mostly my own music. So I would like to have done something with that. And then beyond that, you know, just business as usual. Hopefully still playing piano at Cafe Trio and uh, teaching at Ottawa University and, and doing all the things that I do. So let me ask you this. It's all going to come down to this question here. Somebody catches you at a gig in whatever outfit, whether you're at a hotel or you're with your group and you're playing or with the big band, and someone hears you, they get your name gets stuck in their head, and they come, they come home and they want to Google you. What is your bio going to say, and what song would you want them to listen to, or songs? I'd want them to hear something recent. I'd want them to hear what I'm up to right now. Yeah. The one thing. So uh, one tune that I am uh, particularly proud of is a tune on 
the Ottawa sessions called Forgotten Space. It's track five. And even though, unfortunately, the piano was out of tune on that track, this new piano that I was talking about is so ironic. I'm like bragging and making a big deal out of this new piano. Then you listen to that track, and if you really, <laughs> you have to go, piano's out of tune. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the music, to me, superseded that. The music was so good that I had to move forward with the track and go ahead and put it on. So I'm very proud of that uh, piece because it was um, a piece that I worked very hard and it kind of lets one know where I am musically in terms of the, the music that I write and the composing that I do. I guess in terms of uh, if somebody Googled me, to your question about if someone Googled me, what would they see in, in my bio and that kind of thing? They'd see somebody who's a pianist, a composer, a ranger, uh, and an educator uh, who plays a little bit of upright bass on the side and writes charts. And it's a kind of a, kind of a, a generalist, a uh, you know, like a utility player, but uh, definitely uh, kind of a master, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I mean, I, I I play piano. That's the main thing that I do, but I. I'm conducting, I'm writing big band music, I'm, a, I'm writing arrangements for my Bravo jazz singers, uh, I'm writing big band music, I'm, I'm for hire as an accompanist. I love working with singers. I worked with Millie Edwards here in Kansas City for years. Uh, we had a gig together on Monday nights at the Phoenix. She's still there every Monday at the Phoenix. I worked with Laura Chalk, uh, a lot of singers, so I have an affinity for being an accompanist. So I guess a pretty diverse... I'm a pianist who's uh, very diverse, and I even like to play classical music, and I'm kind of known for incorporating uh, classical music and incorporating it into the jazz in a, in a way that I hope is uh, sincere and well-received, because sometimes that can be done in a way that, that doesn't work, but um, I've gotten some really good critical uh, praise for the way I can kind of work the classical element of the music into some of my jazz jokes. Right on. Well, that seems right there. Defining who you are is kind of fitting. And thanks again for your time. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over America giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Michael for his passion, his music, and teaching the future. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit theneonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.